hello there, short masters, and welcome to Mordor Movie Night. It's my job to ask questions after dark. I'm Nora. Are any of us short? Are any of us short? No. I, um, I don't. Well, I'm six foot. No. Yeah. Who, I'm six foot. I, I'm the only one under six feet. I'm like five ten and a half. Yeah. So None of us are short. Me and Emma are both exactly six feet, so that's all. I'm, I'm six one. To... I've got two. I'm normal. One of the tallest. Damn, didn't know that. That's yeah. crazy. I knew this because you're such a small cat. <laughs> <laughs> small cat, and yet six feet tall. Six feet one, even. I'm Nora. I'm joined by Autumn. Hi, that's me and Jackson. Hello, and M. Hi. We watched the Fellowship. Sorry, we watched the Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring, extended edition, also known as yes. just the real movie. Yeah, the real movie. <laughs> I don't think anyone's fucking watching. Uh, they were yeah, they were right the there on HBO Max, and I was like, no, let's just put on the you know the non extended. So my we can my four K collection comes with the theatrical versions. If I decided to go that route. Mm. I've never heard an not. argument for the theatrical cut over the longer version. Um, there are people who say like the pacing's better, the extended scenes do drag it back. That makes sense. Uh, I, I genuinely don't agree with them, especially in the first two movies. Return of the King, I could see the argument. Maybe. The problem is the things that are dragging it back aren't the, the exclusive stuff. <laughs> no, they're not the exclusive shots. It's, it's not the, the mouth of Sauron that's dragging it back, you know? Yeah, no, it's the half an I'm hour of fucking battles that. in both versions. <laughs> that, that's true. To be fair, number one mouth of Sauron fan, that's you. <laughs> it's true. He's He's a master of dark sorcery. How did we feel about Peter Jackson's own uh, The Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring? Four stars. This is a, what the fuck? It's what really hard fuck? for me to talk about this movie because it's the movie I've seen in theaters the most times, period, at eight um, when it first came out. I've seen the movie dozens of times, uh, and I ha- but I hadn't watched it since 2006. So I was like, I don't really know. Uh, it turns out it's one of the greatest movies ever made, just straight up. Yeah, this is. All-time classic cinema. Five stars. Uh, five star. Five, five star. star. You can imagine. If I could give a movie six stars, it would be this one. It's all right. It's pretty good. Fuck off. <laughs> You're out of your mind. I don't know. I I enjoyed You're it. Here and call Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring mid. I'm not do? calling it mid. I'm saying it's, it's four pretty stars. Good. Is not mid. <laughs> it's better than mid. I'm gonna, gonna list some movies. You gotta tell me if they're better or worse than All right. Fellowship of the Ring. Hit me. Uh, uh, Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith. Better. Mm. Worse. Fuck worse off. by a mile. Crazy. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> That's really the only one. Nora is staring to... into the middle distance. Nora's Spider-Man is... Two. <laughs> Spider-Man... Spider-Man Two is so much worse than Fellowship of the Ring. You fucking kidding me? Uh, Get out of here. I wasn't asking you. Spider-Man Two is not as good as Fellowship of the Ring. Don't ask me about Spider-Man One. Because you, you're going to be disappointed when I tell you Spider-Man 1 is better than <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. Well, what about the Spider-Man 2 Spider-Man. extended edition? <laughs> Spider-Man 1 isn't even better than Spider-Man 2. What are you talking about? I, I've always just been a Spider-Man 2 person. The real thing is I'm a Spider-Man 3 I thought 3 that per- was the mainstream opinion that everyone loved Spider-Man 2. I haven't no, seen it, but no. I thought everybody fucking loved the sad no, Doc that, that was stuff. That was for oh, many, yeah, many yeah. times. For many years. The- yeah, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. thought the mainstream opinion was that Spider-Man 2 was the best one. Yeah, and I'm, I break yeah, with the mainstream opinion. I like 1 and 3 the best. Yeah, my understanding is several years out of date at this point. Yeah. Vis-a-vis Spider-Man films, but... I, I like Spider-Man 1 best, genuinely. Oh my god, shut the <laughs> fuck up. We're talking about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Listen. 
If you want to do an export, you can leave. Me and Jackson will just do this. We got this. It's fine. Uh, so I didn't mean to completely throw off the <laughs> rabbit hole there and, and talk about Spider-Man. Because uh, what I meant is that uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellas of the Ring is an all-time classic movie. It's so fucking Peter good. Jackson, Peter Jackson's not a good enough director for this movie. It's like a miracle. It's like <laughs> you look at everything you made before, you look at everything you made after, including the other two movies you're going to watch, and you're like, there's a restraint and an understanding of what cinema does. The here that is like profound uh, and it's all like in the first half because the second half is the easy shit. You just got a great like action set piece running from stuff, talking to people, great vistas, the big stone hands, Boromir, all that stuff is like that plays itself. It's the fucking cart coming in and the kids running up to the cart looking for fireworks. <laughs> the like thing that the other adaptations don't have because they're all 90 minutes and trying to cram a book and a half in is the time to just fucking slow down and tell me why I should invest in a story about these characters Mm-hmm. And it's really good at that. Yeah. I, I think the casting in this movie is like basically perfect. Like everybody <laughs> is just like fucking incredible in their roles. Um, you had one exception to this though. Uh, Kelleborn looked like he was phoning it in. Kelleborn looked like he didn't know what movie he was in. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we need a guy who's just going to stand there next to Kate Blanchett. Who we are going to like depict as if she's most ethereal creature. They're going to shoot Kate Blanchett the way people on Twitter will talk about Kate Blanchett in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I always forget that Kelleborn gets the line. I always forget that he's the one that wants to speak to Gandalf. Why? Tell me, where is Gandalf? For I much desire to speak with him. No, uh, excuse me. It's for I much desire to speak with him. <laughs> yeah, because but- it's like slowed down like by twenty percent. Well, Autumn's not quoting that. Autumn's quoting uh, the Hobbit's Wizengard song. The- oh, <laughs> you know, you know what? I am. Time. I am quoting the Hobbit's Wizengard song. <laughs> Because that's the thing that's in your, when you hear that line, you're not thinking of the fucking movie. You're I am not. I'm the one down. person on earth who's not thinking of the fucking meme video. Well, I feel like just because of our age, like, I, you know, we didn't get to the movie, at least me. I'm sure, I think Nora did. Nora, did you say at the time? Yeah. 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 Oh, well, me and Autumn came later, so like, I um, both that and the fucking um, Flight of the Concords, Lord of the Rings song, all those quotes just yeah. stick out to my brain every time someone says them. Yeah, I don't for, even know that song me, off the top of my head. Uh, so I saw Fellowship in the theaters when it came out. I was too young, and the Nazgul scared me, and so it didn't really like click for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I saw it a couple times just at like friends' houses over the years. But I've genuinely, I've never seen Two Towers or Return of the King, so this is like my only familiarity with the Jackson movies. Um, and um, I liked this movie more than I ever have. You know, I I genuinely, truly like. Every other time I've seen this movie, I've been like, eh, it's fine. This this is the one that it finally won me over. Yeah, you were... We were watching the Boromir scene, and you were like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this it is, hit different for yeah, you Yeah, yeah. So I... Like, I've never been a Boromir person, really. And then, like, the Bakshi movie started to, like, sway me. Like, oh, Boromir's pretty cool. And then this... Oh, it's entirely, it's entirely built out of this film being... He's the fucking best. Yeah, yeah. And then watching this movie this time, I was like, oh, my God, Boromir is, like, the best character in this movie, bar none. Like, Boromir's <laughs> fucking incredible in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were, yeah. you were... John B's like, sobbing. I've got one movie to sell I was sell not sobbing. You were... You never cry. I've genuine... <laughs> I have never seen you cry, except at Boromir dying. <laughs> That's I've so never. true. Nora, you're so real for this. <laughs> I've never 
mercy. I would have followed you, my brother, my captain, my king. That shit gay as hell, by the way. That shit uh, for gay me, as hell. It's, it's not even the farewell. It's later when they're standing on the shore that Aragorn's took took Bormir's van braces and is like gay, adjusting them on his arm. It's so fucking good. It's so good. Uh, also, it's, I didn't remember the last line of this movie, uh, which becomes uh, part of a callback later. And that also got me a little emotional. Oh, what's the what's the last yeah. line? When they're like, I'm glad you're with me, Sam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, that'll be a callback later. And I didn't realize that it was a callback. Like they had said they had said that same line in the first movie. For some reason, I thought the. I, I thought the last line of this movie was "Let's hunt some orc." <laughs> Me too. I also did not just didn't remember anything after the three of them run off screen. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say, uh, I think it's great that all of the anytime that there's like a fight scene, mm-hmm. it just kind of like goes and then it ends. Yeah, I never got bored of any of them. None of them are like belabored. None of them are yeah. like overstated. Some of them are like super short. Uh, the, the, yes. The 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 fucking lake monster is super short, and also I was like, could we please get past this fucking lake monster? <laughs> the lake. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the, I think the lake monster is single handedly the weakest part of the film. It's so stupid. It's- <laughs> It's not. Yeah. They simply don't need to go back out of the door. Like yeah. the lake monster yeah. works with the build up. When it's like all oh, these things around here, uh, as they come in. If the door just shut behind them as they went in, I think it would have been just as fine because it's more about the build up to the Moria stuff yeah. than it is the lake monster itself. I love the build up to the Balin's tomb fight and the whole thing just exploding because yeah. there there hasn't really been an actual fight. There's been like Argorn swinging a sword around at some ring wraiths. Um, Frodo tried to do something and got immediately tossed. Uh, but it's, there's been nothing since like the literally the opening of the film. So two hours in, just watching the door blow open and then everyone charge that the, the like orcs pouring in is sick. It's so fucking good. They have a cave troll. <laughs> they have a cave troll. It's a little too precious, but it's fine. The problem is it just because like the fucking Avengers line that's ripping it off became too big. <laughs> it's true. You just see you see a certain type of blockbuster movie making happening on screen as you're watching this, right? Yeah. Uh, the 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 element of that that really like hit for me was that I was like all the all the like flashy CG shots of like the camera dives down into the caves where they're uh, manufacturing the urukai or or you know the the camera sweeping around Isengard Tower and there's all the clouds and stuff. Um that's like the stuff that gets replicated in every fucking movie. One of these went viral like yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> One shot, the, no cuts. <laughs> the thing about the Lord of the Rings stuff, though, is um, almost every object is a miniature, right? Like, yeah, there are no digital sets in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, these these I didn't know that that element to it, but these look so much better than you know all the shots subsequently that are ripping these off. But yeah, knowing that they're miniatures, that makes it that helps me make sense of why uh, these just feel a lot better. These feel um, vibrant in a way that like, you know, every shot that's ripped this off in a Marvel movie just sucks. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And even the places where like an an effect shot might seem a little bit um, like dated, it's so 
Oh, wow. These are some very good miniatures. Oh, my God. Miniature is kind of uh, underselling how big they are and how detailed they are. Yeah, wow. But damn. Yes. I mean, this is the thing that Lord of the Rings did is because uh, they're shooting in New Zealand, they could just spend the money making all of this shit. Uh, and lighting it and shooting it and compositing it all together. Now that I'm um, now that I'm looking at these, I remember I did know this about King Kong. I knew that so much stuff of the Peter Jackson King Kong was like this, and I don't know why I didn't remember that. Oh, Lord of the Rings is also like this, obviously. <laughs> uh, this movie is considerably better than the Peter Jackson King Kong, by the way. No one was asking. Well, uh, but <laughs> I was watching this movie and I got mad again about the Peter Jackson King Kong, which I want to do anytime I think about it too hard because I fucking <laughs> hate that movie. I love King Kong. I think King Kong's one of the, like yeah. one of the early hits of cinema, and I fucking hate that the, the uh, Peter Jackson version exists. It's so bad. I was just gonna say that even the, that. like the most dated elements of the visual effects in this movie don't are they're not jarring. And they don't like, no, stick like, out at all. It's like the cave. It's like the cave troll, and like anytime there's like a yeah. CG character that's like close up, you're like, yeah, it's a bit ropey. Mm-hmm. They haven't quite got their golem tech in yet, so he's always in shadow. Yes. Um, the the bit of them th- um, running across the bridge with the Balrog behind them, and they all look like yeah, little that's PS2 like the characters. one. <laughs> one of the early like fully CG shots, yeah. When I was a kid, my yeah. favorite shot in the movie was the arrow cam, where you follow the arrow across the the, the chasm and hit the orc in the face. I've got great uh, news for you about the Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion. I got great news about, for you about Skyrim, <laughs> <laughs> which brings me to my next point. Uh, you could just see like thirty years of video games, especially in this movie, mm. but also like fantasy in general just, mm-hmm. just like visually in the design of things like what it means to what it visually means to be dwarf or elf styled right. um somehow the two most influential movies to video games aesthetically released in 2001 and they are lord of the rings fellowship of the ring and of course final fantasy the spirits within <laughs> <laughs> which it's not influential outside of video games. Everyone in video games is like, damn, we're just going to start ripping this off, even though it was the bomb. <laughs> <sighs> this movie's great. Uh, my thing specifically is um, the like eight different ways they use the tricks to sell the size of the characters. It's oh, so yeah. good. Those are, those are always fun, because I... Like, Knowing now, like, I can spot them, you know? I'm like, oh, all these shots are, like, forced perspective and stuff, but it's... It, like, it's a magic trick that, like, still works even when you know how they do it, you know? Here's Aragorn hefting, like, a crash test dummy with a Frodo wig on it from behind <laughs> so that we can <laughs> pretend that he's very small. <laughs> or it's whatever. Really good. It's sh- okay, so, so it's like, it's... I'm going to send a couple images, but there's, like, multiple techniques. The, the one that I think is, like, the coolest but obviously hardest to do is the forced perspective oh, yeah. stuff where, um, like, even the, the... I think, like, the best shot is... The the one where Gandalf's sitting at the table and Bilbo's pouring the tea because Gandalf is on a tray that is moving alongside the camera as the camera's panning left to right in like a ratio with the camera to keep it aligned with the back table where Bilbo is or Frodo is. Oh, okay. they do it twice. That's insane. <laughs> um, um, and so that like that's just, like normal force perspective. They just have compositing, uh, like the one where uh, Gandalf's getting like comes into the bag end and gives Bilbo the cane and the hat. Uh, they shot a plate with Ian Holm on the set, and they shot a plate with uh, Ian McKellen on the other set. They built that was scaled down and then composited the two together. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, sometimes they're like uh, smaller actors with masks on. Those are the ones I, they do this for wide shots and I feel like they look bad. <laughs> um, uh, sometimes they do like reverse, reverse shots of that. There's like guys on stilts in Brie. You can notice the guys on stilts, uh, like the really tall actors. Um, just kind of walking in foreground in front of Frodo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, yeah, just full on CG stuff, which they do very sparingly because the technology was not there. I thank it. God. Yes. Speaking of tall guys, can we just get an F in the chat for that one guy? Uh, who gets uh, fucking flattened. Yeah. Flattened who? into the dirt. Who? When you they knocked who? down the wall. The- Oh God! Guy yeah, that guy's just gone. That guy's <laughs> the guy left him in a free. Yeah, he just gets owned. Because uh, there's a few times in this movie where, like, Peter Jackson gets to flex a little, being a cheeky horror guy. That's one of them. Yes. Obviously, Murray is the other time of like, oh yeah, this is why you get him for this. Hmm. The 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 when um uh Pippin knocks over the. <laughs> when Pippin knocks the thing down the well, that is everything about the timing of that little sequence is so perfect. Of just like, then the bucket goes, then the chain goes. Now everybody's just like standing around, and you get like these like uh, wide shots of the miniatures. Um, um, <clears throat> it, it's all so good. <laughs> what does this uh, gift yeah, you sent? It is clearly a test for the force perspective. Yeah, a test for the force perspective shove, showing them breaking it. Because you get to see the camera move and then (laughs) tiny Peter Jackson over there. Okay. There was a moment that Autumn laughed so hard. What was this? I don't remember. When the first time you see Elrond's face fade in oh, oh, the white man? It, it is the goofiest it's it's literally the uh the ocarina of time ganondorf cursing them at the end of the game shots. it's that and it's like the um there's a random no. insert shot of just like kate blanchett's eyes extremely close yes. to the camera and she just raises her eyebrows <laughs> both of them yeah. fucking got me yeah that's that shot very is really funny. that shot is really funny goofy fucking bullshit yes um, Hugo oh, Weaving's great in this movie, by the way. Hugo he's Weaving so is so good. fucking good. Um, this feels obvious to say he's Hugo Weaving, but um, <laughs> like, I, he's this is this is the best Hugo Weaving role, I think. This is I, I don't I don't believe that is true, but he does understand that he's got about three minutes of dialogue to sell being the most important guy in a good guy in Middle Earth, basically, mm-hmm. and nails it. <laughs> there, there's so much of that. There's so much of like, okay, this is a massive ensemble piece. We have to sell, we have to sell so much, and sometimes it doesn't. Like, I think Saruman, they don't sell him. Um, like, it, I think, I think you're rude about Saruman here. Well, no, I, I specifically, think, I think he's doing fine for most of the movie. But they have like two lines for you to believe that Saruman. Oh, that part, yes, that part is not good. Where he's like, oh, Gandalf, my old friend. And you're like, oh, that's Christopher Lee. He's evil. <laughs> um, I think I. Pr- I think I probably would have, um, if the one change I would make to this movie would have been uh, when Gandalf goes to read about Up on the Ring, uh, I would probably have him go to Isengard then and have a normal scene with, with Saruman, with Saruman uh, yeah. as the re- research scene just before. That makes sense. Down, so you yeah. Know where he goes back. That makes sense. Because um, it's literally two lines before he starts going evil. Like, it's not enough to sell it like Saruman is the best of us brought low by his lust for power. 
Um, well, the one thing that the, the the movie Peter Jackson is just famously bad at is the giving the sense of time in which Lord of the Rings takes place. Like him going to Minas Tirith, reading that book and coming back looks like it takes six weeks and it's like 17 years. Yeah, I don't think that's a failure. I think that is intentionally obscuring the fact that it's 17. Yes, no, I, I do. I do believe that partially it is intentional, but I do think it um the more you understand Lord of the Rings, the less that stuff works. I think it feels weird and like rushed. Yeah. When the rest of the movie is like pretty languid about setting itself up. The That little stretch from like that moment to maybe them leaving Brie is like my least favorite stretch of not the movie, but just like my Lord of the Rings brain just being like, I wouldn't make this choice in the adaptation. Like, I don't know that you need the Barrow Whites, but like, they just get out of uh, the Shire so quick. Um, like, Aragorn is, like, not introduced at all, basically. He looks at them from across the bar like like a weirdo, and then they are they set out, you know? Um, I would have... I definitely would have done the, like, not all who are wander... Not all who wander are lost thing. Just something to establish their trust between these people. Um, it just starts <laughs> moving at a breakneck pace as soon as... Um, uh, uh, Gandalf goes to Minas Tirith. I do remember the first time I watched this, and I watched the theatricals the first time. I um was definitely confused about like who Aragorn was. Or, I didn't know what a ranger was, right? Like I, I didn't right. know these concepts, right? Like I understood that he had uh he was the king uh, and was returning and all these things, um, <laughs> but like the the specific like stakes of why he was just in Bree, uh, what he was doing, why he'd come with them. Uh, what a changed um, is definitely brushed over just to get the plot moving. Uh, the, kind of like, he, well, you know, he's, he's it's weird that they never they never really bring up the part where he he's there because of Gandalf, right? They just kind of don't have that line. Like they have they show up, they're expecting Gandalf, he's not there. They don't know what the fuck to do, and they're kind of just kind of scared until Merry and Pippin get distracted by booze. Uh, that's great, uh, but they don't have the connecting part where it's like, no, Gandalf sent me, and I didn't want to lead with that because you you shouldn't trust someone who comes to you and says Gandalf sent me. I mean, right. he, it is clear that Gandalf sent him because he yeah. doesn't mention Gandalf. But it, yes, yeah, like, yeah. There's just not as much connective tissue in the in those matters, and it just mm. it cuts. But I do. It cuts so quickly from like the hobbits burst into the room, and then um, the Nazgul stabbing the beds, and it just felt like we could have spent two more minutes in that scene. You know, like you don't need much; you just need a little something to establish who Aragorn is. You know. Mm. <clears throat> Um, I will say, I think that this movie's introduction and every scene with Merry and Pippin are just good. They're, They're just so funny good. guys. I love them every time they show up. Um, <laughs> when they run into them in the field, it's like, oh, look here, it's Frodo Baggins. <laughs> well, and especially because the last time I saw this movie, like I had not read the books. And so uh-huh. knowing that these characters are going to be so much more than like comic relief by the end. Um, yes. just made them so much better because otherwise they're just kind of, I think they'd be like kind of good but annoying um, but knowing that like the arc that they're going to go on um, I'm like oh okay like these actors are going to like do more than just uh, I do be bumbling th- I do think that every adventuring party needs two stoners in it <laughs> <laughs> well this this adventuring party has like five stoners in it i think <laughs> yeah, i say you've got you've got gimli and legolas uh-huh. <laughs> who are basically who are basically there for like purely racist reasons <laughs> <laughs> um and then you've got gandalf who's always a bit uh ready to sit down and smoke uh-huh. and then you've got mary pippin mary pippin uh, le- and sam is like one foot in one foot out <laughs> 
of all the characters in this movie, um, Legolas is the most appearing in this film. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Legolas will be in a scene, and you're like, that's Legolas in a scene. Like, damn, well, so thank you so much for that addition, Legolas. They he have truly, to cast Orlando uh, Bloom so that he's recognizable in any way at all. <laughs> well, look, he's, truly, the, he's the guy who uh, says what things are. <laughs> Yes, that's true. <laughs> Tolkien's intent has been brought through to the screen of Legolas being a guy who's around. <laughs> it's, it's also kind of so funny because, um, like, I know as these movies go on, he's going to play off Gimli a bunch, and Gimli is actually a character in this movie in a way that Legolas is not. Gimli gets to do yes. things and say things. He hits the ring with his axe. That's a lot of fun. That's great. <laughs> There is one dwarf yet in Moria who still draws breath. Yes, all the Gimli lines in Moria are good. He's like, a mine. <laughs> a oh, mine. Oh, and they call it a mine. Or that yeah. uh, part right before he gets the arrow pointed in his face. Yes. Like, I have the, ear, the, the, yes, the ears of a fox and the eyes of a hawk or whatever, and then an arrow right in his face. <laughs> and even the bit after that where, like, they writing know that it's a bit weird the Gimli just takes Gladriel's um, hair. How, they have to like sell that as a thing that like actors can do. And you know what? I mean, the, the, good job. the whole that whole sequence is extended edition only. They knew they double knew because they didn't put okay. in the fucking movie. They didn't movie put in the fucking movie. Uh, um, Sam getting the rope and Frodo getting the file are the only things that made it in the original cut. Oh, you mean the video game plot relevant items? Yes, the plot relevant <laughs> items. Um, and everything else is extended edition. Because honestly, that might be a better choice. While I really like those scenes, uh, it extremely, ex- is extremely obvious that Boromir is being skipped over in the... Uh, <laughs> He's <laughs> so being skipped over. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even shoot him getting his like... He gets like a scabbard or something, right? It's nothing important. Um, but uh, it's funny. Um... I, I love the Gimli scene, though. I think it's like the best Gimli scene in this entire trilogy of him being like, I asked for one hair on a golden head. And she gave me three. Uh, just like doing that by believing John Reese davies can sell it better, describing it to you than having to show it is is brilliant. It's yes. so good. Yeah, because yes. they, they cut away because they're like, this is just too weird. And I'm like, they're just not going to show it because it's kind of weird. And no, and then they do yes. it that way. I was like, OK, I, I, basically as well as you could have handled that without like changing it and making a joke about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I assumed it was going to be like Legolas and Celeborn are like, scandalized and she like laughs at it and i it's way better the way they do it i just i didn't question it at all because i thought that this everybody in this movie is so earnest Mm -hmm. and like deeply passionate that it just it sold just fine for me it it felt like oh there's like a little excalibur here (laughs) you know (laughs) a little bit of a little bit of knights and Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. That, um, so that's the thing for me is that like we've done a little started this, this podcast a little uh critical because of first of all this is an you know adaptational choices and uh autumn wasn't completely sold in all of it but i think like as a fucking movie as like images are on screen and they have to sell you emotion uh almost peerless among like this level of uh blockbuster oh yeah uh, it's like sh- it does it it has great source until obviously we like lord of the rings yeah. but it spends the time having the actors like tell you the morals not sneer at them or like wink about it it's it can be when it's funny it's the funniness comes from the characters interacting and not we're going to like do the marvel thing right mm-hmm. um it you describing as earnest is like it's a it's a it's a movie where like half the cast cries like six times yeah <laughs> yeah well it's just... the, the, the thing f- you go jackson you go uh, I, I just, the thing for me is, is like 
in some of the adaptational choices they make are not choices I would make, and they, they narrow a lot down because like every scene they have clearly sat down when writing the scene and been like, okay, this scene was about a lot of things. In our version, it's about one thing, and they've done it for everything. Like everything has been condensed down to meaning one. I thing. would say they narrow it to two things, but I see your point. Sure, I mean there is like moments of ambiguity, but I feel like this is a very direct film. In the yes, thing no, 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 that's true. Um, not like there's no texture there uh but they definitely like this is what we're going to try to sell in this moment uh, and have really focused on that in a way that is like extremely untrue in the hobbit which was didn't have three years to write the script right like yeah um and so even though i may not agree with like all the, the choices i think the way they go about selling those choices is uh fucking fantastic usually um, yeah like I, I don't like some of the background around um Aragorn's character is confusing, but they go all in on like the okay, the, no, the, the thing with Aragorn is that he's like abandoned his kingdom and has to be like brought back away from this cosplaying as a superhero life that he apparently has because they don't really define it more. Or than also just, just kind of being like an elf lord hanging out in Vacation Town, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> fucking Arwen or stuff. not fucking Arwen, <laughs> <laughs> and that stuff is so good. Like every time Boromir. Uh, comes up and just says a bunch of true things which is always great because Boromir is constantly saying 100% true things that are critical of Aragorn and critical of everyone but just doesn't really understand that the no the ring it's not about that the ring's still evil though like <laughs> your character criticisms do not bear on how evil the ring is that's just a different thing and I'm sorry you got this confused Boromir yeah I do want to point out uh, Boromir got a belt not a sca- I, had, yes. I had to double check. It's a golden belt. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Um, I also think generally the movie understands that they've got a, they've got incredible miniatures and the most beautiful landscape on earth to film around. And so it's often a very big film, like ha- like a good 20 minutes. Of the movie are people walking over landscapes and helicopter shots. And it's great. Um, but all of the big, big emotional moments are tight close ups on characters faces reacting to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I always think of is. Frodo saying that he's going to take the ring is yes. not a shot of Frodo. It's a shot of Gandalf reacting to hearing Frodo stand up and say that. Yeah. Actual it's, best shot in the movie. It's spo- <laughs> so fucking belief. good. The way the, like, uh, the the emotion, like, slowly comes over Ian McKellen's face is just incredible. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not I, just he's instantly relieved or he's instantly anything. There's, like, 20 things that sort of, like, slowly roll over him. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> I came away from this this rewatch like just incredibly impressed with what McKellen brings to Gandalf as a character that I just didn't see before. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like, at least my impression on this time was like, oh, he's playing Gandalf as a coward. Like Gandalf, is, all of his character motivation and discussion and things, like there is the thing that needs to get done and I'm not enough to do it. And I don't know if I ever was. And all I'm doing is like putting it on people. Uh like the whole scene where like he leaves the fucking ring for Frodo. To I was about find. to say, I love that it's still on the floor where Bilbo dropped it. He just goes and like mutters in the corner, mm-hmm. and he know like he knows intentionally like that's what he has actively left that to Frodo to find. But he just like, oh, he, he can't. There. I mean, he can't touch it, right? Like, no. there's nothing he can do. It's not like he can fix it, but like it, it's just so good the way that like plays yes. with Gandalf. And then you have scenes where like the all we can do is um do you know what we had in the moment thing and like when he's playing that scene like 
oh, this isn't actually the hero giving him moral. Like, Gandalf barely believes it when he's saying it. He's just saying this uh, to get through this cave. I mean, oh, his, this is like the thing. Fundamentally, he's like, I don't know what to do, but I think that if we just trust in the goodness of the people around me, a solution will present itself. It turns out he's right. Like, that's Tolkien's, Tolkien's moral universe is that that's true. Yeah. But Gandalf represents that that's a position that in, in, includes an incredible burden of doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it comes back at the end. Right? But when he says yeah. it, it's not like a moment of certainty. Uh, like I'm yes. gonna lead Frodo to the truth. And uh, when he says it, it's like he is lying to himself and to Frodo to just like find a way through this. It's only yes. when Frodo is like making the choice uh, to leave at the end that he actually like comes around and feels like a bit of closure. Mm-hmm. I also um, I like that um, he sells a line way different than I think it comes off in the book where. When he says a, a wizard r- arrives precisely when he means to, and then there's like a beat, and then he smiles, like, ah, oh, I'm just fucking with you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. He's, he's so much less severe, um, which makes the bits where he is severe, like, much more, like, surprising, because, mm-hmm. like, he really has been treating Bilbo like a kid, right? For 50 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Like, Bilbo literally runs to him uh, like a child running to his parent when Gandalf yells at him, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. He's so small. <laughs> yes, and Ian Holm, Ian Holm plays Bilbo with like a child, like like the minute he loses the ring, he he becomes so old, he reverts back to childhood, right? Like that's the way they're already playing him when they get to Rivendell. He, he's not going to adventures. He's writing his book. He's fussing it. And he's just old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really good and heartbreaking. I think the old think- man makeup on Ian Holm is really good too. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I was like, taken aback by how good Ian Holm is this this and like obviously everyone is you know great cast in this movie um but it is so much weight is put on Ian Holm as he's like the he's not the protagonist of the movie but he is so focal for like the first 20 minutes that if he doesn't sell it that hard uh, you don't buy into anyone else yeah um, like yeah on some level the stuff with him like you have you have to believe you have to truly believe in everything in this movie by the time that like he can't like you know the scene where he like struggles to get rid of the ring and you have to invest in how like him dropping that ring on the floor is like one of the bravest things anyone in middle has ever done mm-hmm. yeah and, he ends up becoming the only person who's like willingly ever given up the ring right yeah. <laughs> yeah and to sell that to like an audience that doesn't actually know about a ring right 20 minutes ago yes. uh is i think like the the herculean task of this film um, yeah because after that it's not like a smooth sailing after that um but that's the initial like you really got to get people in. Speaking yeah. of the scene where he drops the ring on the floor, we need to talk about the meta game of watching Lord of the Rings. Uh huh. How many about? times did I spout off some piece of trivia? Yeah. About how they made this movie. <laughs> oh, that ring is oh, really yeah. big. Oh, about, like the very oh, size of rings and stuff. <laughs> Why is it just because there's a um more trivia about this movie why does lord of the rings bring out the trivia person in me because literally uh, because, because it's shipped with two discs of intensive some of the most exhaustive special features that any dvd has ever had and we all watch them or yeah, i mean I, I watch them i assume you watch them <laughs> but it did shift with those discs like while well, that was still a novelty so people really yes. watched them like it wasn't like oh you you know th- th- those discs come out in 2008 and then only the real nerds watch them but um, mm-hmm. because it was in there are anecdotes from the commentaries i rem- have memorized because i listened to them falling asleep before youtube existed. like the dental visit. like i know giant bomb bits <laughs> like pippin going oh. to the dentist yeah yeah there's there's just so many things that i didn't remember and then i it came to me like i was a person possessed 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the way the ring is framed because like they give it, they give it a voice in like the far background of the music. As long as the hybrid, like very forward, but mostly it kind of in the background, they always like frame it as like a main character, like in intense close up, And then everyone reacts like it weighs a hundred pounds. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, when it drops, it doesn't bounce. It just lands like like an anvil. When it just goes into Frodo's hand, even though the background's all blurred out, Frodo's hand like drops like he's been handed something that weighs pounds and not ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that stuff's all really good. I think so yeah, too. it bounces. The ring does bounce when it's running away from Gollum, but never again. Yes. Um, so you know it can. <laughs> <laughs> um... You had a question. I had a question? Yeah, you had a question what when was, we were watching this movie. What was my question? Um you were saying why didn't the why didn't the Nazgul just use the <laughs> fell piece? That was your question. <laughs> Don't put that evil on me. You asked why didn't they just no, use the I the said fell if beasts. I were Sauron, I would have led with the fell beast. And then you said in that um why didn't they take the eagle's voice? You said, Why didn't they take the fell beast? I think I think the lore reason of that is that the fell beast can't travel under sunlight. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. And it has to wait until the darkness of Mordor like spreads later in its endless night for them to come out. It's a thug. It's so funny. Um, for like five minutes of this movie, they have to sell to you, oh, it's crazy that the Uruk-hai can like travel during sunlight. And it's like, that wasn't established. We have not seen an orc. Like, why did I, what I know? <laughs> I gotta say, rewatching this for the first time in a long time, the Uruk-hai are like so aggressively racialized in a way that it's the orcs crazy. are not. It's crazy! Sarah black people in his pit! It's so much more fucking racist. It's weird because it's like knowing that this is all New Zealand. He invented like the Maori. Like it's even more fucked up and specific. You're right. Yes, I guess that. Yes, because it is like they are the. Because you know those stuntmen are all Maori under there. Like I know that's true. Fuck. It's even more. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, I. But it's absolutely like he invented the like. Monsters, brown other, people who are all yes, like tribal warriors of, of tribal warriors who can actually travel on the land uh, to fight the fucking forces of uh, the white people. Uh, it's fucking yes. crazy. <laughs> it's, it's so out of pocket. It's like, it's, what are you doing? It's so much more because I don't remember the book being so focused on like the crossbreeding shit. Like I was like, what? Yes. That's yeah. That stuff is that? like only. This is very much like. We had to establish a new type of orc that's like a new threat, but like this script writing stuff, right? Mm. Um, right, yeah. I just remember it being like, oh, like you go to the orcs when um, Marion Pippin get captured and you see a bit like of their, like their dysfunctional culture. Yes. Uh, but I don't remember like, we have to stop Saruman because he's fucking breed- crossbreeding orcs over there. I don't remember that coming up. Yeah, no, no, that <laughs> is, that is, I mean, it's like, there's like a line gesturing towards it, but yes, this is mostly a movie invention um, to give them big scary guys to fight. Um, it is crazy. It's weird because, like, you know, it rolls back to orcs, right? Like later, the, the Urukai are gone by the end of movie two, and it's all orcs now mm. <laughs> again. Yeah, because Sarah doesn't have any fucking Urukai. That's Saruman's thing. Yeah, yeah. I and I know I understand all of the things that were just said. Yes. I love I orcs. <laughs> <laughs> this this movie is what made me love orcs just as a concept. Um, I like. When they're little, I like when they got all their, like, scrapped together gear. I also like when they're big, but not, like, real big. They're, like, normal person big, not, like, a big, mm-hmm. like, warhammer orc. I just there's... like orcs. I think they look cool. 
And yeah, they're they're also pretty racist most of the time they're in most racist, things. Yes. Mm-hmm. I also like Klingons. Klingons are also yeah, really yeah. racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's fine. But yeah. I just like orcs. Um, I just think they're neat. I they're just normal in men. Moria, <laughs> in Moria, there's a hero orc design of the one with like the really big eyes. That I think is just like one of the coolest creatures in this movie. Um, yeah, I think that one's really neat. Um, they screw the around. Arakai are kind of dumb. But I do love Aragorn and the main Arakai just knocking lumps at each other in the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, good. it's so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they invented a guy to have a fake showdown that was in the book. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. If only they kept that guy around for the next two movies, though. Yeah. If only he was like, you know. I, I think it would be easy. And he was and he was all CG and wrote a big fucking fake ass wolf who looked like shit. Yeah. yeah. What if great. they just reprised one of the like really important songs for him also because they didn't have anything else they just made him up. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorites, and this is like the thing where like this this is the thing other movie makers don't do when they try to rip off Lord of the Rings in the big final battle there's like this great shot where Bormer sounds the horn and you get this incredible tracking shot through the forest of like. Every, good guys and bad guys both going to where the sound is but like the battle is still continuing in like fits and spurts as the camera like rushes across like a good like 200 yards through the forest mm-hmm. and it just gives you this great sense of geography that like this is the thing that movies don't have because you have to plan that shit out to the letter to make it work right this is one of the best battle sh- battle shots in the whole trilogy because like yes it's the perfect scale of it's just few enough guys that they had all of them. There's yes. no CG armies, but it is like a hundred dudes in a forest. Yes. Uh, so it's like a, it's like an impressive huge shot, but it's not like, you know, they're not blocking the screen with how many dudes there are because there still has to be enough for there to be physical people. Yes, um, yes. But just that's just a sense of scale that is so rare. I've got like, great news for you about the next two movies. <laughs> eh. No, because like the, the, the fights you're about to get are like, Armies against yeah, armies. Not yeah. like, yes. I think this is the yeah. only fight of this kind of scale uh, in Lord of the Rings. Um, that's mostly true, yeah. Um, I'm 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 excited to see uh, the the Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli just run fifty miles or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to Two Towers. Uh, I remember it being my favorite of the three, um, but. We'll see. <clears throat> I remember thinking Two Towers is the best extended edition. I think the additions are really great. I think there's like really high highs, but revisiting this, I'm pretty sure Fellowship is the best one of these movies. I don't think they're going mean, That's like inherent in like, this isn't the. Two Towers has the problem where it doesn't have a beginning or an ending because it's the middle of a trilogy. Yeah. Um, just structurally, it's it kind of meandering on purpose by design because there's three of them. Um, there's good stuff in Two Towers, though. As the person who said know, that Fellowship was the best book, also, I would not be surprised if I came down thinking it's the best movie as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this movie's um like they could have ended here and it would have been fine. No, I mean it wouldn't have been fine, but it is like a emotionally complete arc in a way that neither of the other two yes. movies are. Yeah, um, like the ending is. Uh, it functions as if this was the only one. I mean, it was never even made to be that way, but it does yeah, function yeah. more as a single three-hour movie to send you home happy uh, than any other Lord of the Rings thing we've watched yet. I know. I know that for me, when we get... When we watched this movie, I was, like, quibbling with adaptational choices. I know by the time we get to Return of the King, I'm going to be like, where's the fucking scouring? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be too big man. I think it's important that you were quibbling. Mm. Like the floor was so high that your main complaints were like, oh, this little thing, oh, that little thing. It wasn't like you were like, oh, 
I hate this fucking actor. I can't stand this guy. Mm. Get him the, off. I never. I there's not a single actor in this movie in this whole trilogy. I think is like outright bad at all. Um, they nailed it. That part's great. Like this movie, uh, famously Stuart Townsend was going to be Aragorn. Like they, there's like one photo of him in costume. He did all the rehearsals and training where they all had to learn how to sword fight and they rehearsed the shit out of the movie. That's why the movie's good. Um, he did all that and they fired him and got Mugo Mortensen who came in kind of late. Uh, if this movie had had Stuart Townsend, it would be a flop. Yeah. <laughs> I fundamentally believe this is true. Uh, absolutely. He's fucking Viggo I, Mortensen. It was the it one. It makes me feel bad because like he was there. He, they fired him so damn, so cold. Yes. On him. They're just oh, like, I the know. movie wasn't working. That's all they've said. He did a great job. We liked him. The movie wasn't working. We needed, some, we needed someone older. And they're probably right about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. On did complain about one casting choice. Who did I complain about? Arwen. Yeah, Arwen. <laughs> you you were it's like, not... oh, I hate this this cool woman. I wish no. there was a guy here instead. There no, should be less I women do, in I this just... movie. <laughs> I think that I I think it's cool when Glorfindel shows up. Uh-huh. I think it's cool when a guy I mean, shows up and says, "I dueled with Morgoth. I'm not worried about this." <laughs> there's um. I'm mean, obviously they're not gonna put that in the movie because they're not gonna explain who Morgoth is. Yeah, um, he's the guy they're... the Balrogs of. There, the problem is this is like touching this is touching on so much of uh discourses of 20 years past where th- there was a whole kerfuffle about Arwen's only there for like forced diversity they got to put a woman in these movies because they don't want guys they want you know they got to show women being cool too it's like the seg- the, the feminist agenda is ruining our films that happened in 2001 it was stupid then it's stupid now it is okay to admit changed. that Arwen is shoehorned in this movie because they needed a fucking woman in the story yes. there isn't one yes because because Arwen is only in this movie so that when you get to the end and you think damn it's pretty gay when Aragorn kisses Boromir like and someone can point and say no he's got a wife it's chill don't worry also, <laughs> also, like, Arwen, they want to make it important that Aragorn is fighting to win Arwen so that he gets a character arc that isn't, he shows up at the end and he's got a wife, and you're like, who the fuck's that? It's, <laughs> Which is how the books play it. It's so fucking funny that, like, uh, in that stretch where they cut so much, they cut Don Bombadil, they cut the, you know, a lot of Aragorn introduction stuff, they cut so much in the, like, journey to Weathertop but we did have to take out five seconds, no more. <laughs> but we had to have five seconds of like, oh, the Luthien Baron, yeah. He <laughs> um, just name jumps them, and I'm like, that's- yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, well, the, the, so this this shot of them with Frodo waking up—that's all extended stuff. Um, that's not in the original film. Okay, um, okay. And you, you make sense why they cut it. Um, but like, I mean, Autumn hasn't seen Two Towers. Arwen's in Two Towers. She has a significant role in Two Towers. Um, <sighs> which is obviously not in the books. Uh, and like, you need to remind people this character exists because she's important to Aragorn's arc. And the movies make a much bigger deal of Aragorn as a character than like the books do. Mm-hmm. Because they, they're like, this movie's got two protagonists. It's Aragorn and Frodo. Yeah. Uh, and I think it does a good job of that. Like, it really tries to sell Arwen, you know, like abandoning her immortality for uh, uh, for this like tragic love uh, of the potential of men. Um, I think it's mostly a, a good job of that. Um, but, like, it, it definitely takes away from, like, Aragorn's character conflicts in the book were mostly, like, about the logistical planning of how to get the fucking ministerial. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I really and you just enjoy- can't translate that. I really enjoyed the that little moment where they come across each other and she, like, is basically just flirting with him while holding him at sword point. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the key little scene. Yeah, that one, I kind of wish there was me. more of that energy, more of her, like, 
like doing sword stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you just think it's cool when women have swords. I like elves. <laughs> um. Also, I do. You know, I I do think it's just kind of impressive that this movie is able to pull off like the Nazgul are the villains for a little bit. And then Saruman's the villain for a little bit. And then Sauron is sort of the background villain who you just see the eye a couple times. And then the goblins are the villain for a little bit. And then the Urkai are a villain for a little bit. And, like, the the number of, like, antagonists that have to get introduced and, and booked well in this movie um, is... It, it's impressive, you know? A, a lot of movies could not uh, pull off, like, how this movie does that. Um. The thing for me, in that kind of... Uh like point is I think it's genuinely crazy that the movie doesn't end after Gandalf dies. Not because I think the rest of it's bad. I think like any other movie would put cut it there. Any yeah, other movie yeah. ever would cut it there, but they have another I mean, hour the, left. The, the, the framework doesn't work. If you cut it there, you no, can't make Lord of the Rings. You can't make Lord of the Rings, but like the movie's fucking over. And then the next thing we have to do is fuck about in a place with some people you've never seen before. Uh, also, I would just like to point out that Obi-Wan eats shit. And then star Wars goes on for another hour. I know it's not an actual hour, but it feels yeah, but they, like they, they don't like then go back in and it's not the Star Wars thing. It's they literally the- fly back to the Death Star. <laughs> after that. Right. It's not like, um, no, I meant in Lord of the Rings. Like, it's not like they oh, then yes. the, the sacrifice gives the hero the strength to like overcome the. Pro- I mean, I guess it kind of does in, in the, how he lives, has the strength to then leave the uh, the fellowship. Um, but it's it doesn't like because it's adapting the book, it doesn't f- conform neatly to the, the screenplay advice version of this. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. for sure. Look, uh, nothing about Lord of the Rings conforms pretty neatly to the screenplay adv- advice version of anything. I just think it's so impressive that they pull it all off. I did, I did construct an alternate version in my head where, like, all the stuff that I wish didn't get cut was still in the movie, and then the movie just ends with Bal- uh, with uh, the Balrog and uh, Gandalf fighting. Um, uh, I But then you just have to turn this into four movies, you know? <laughs> you literally couldn't do that. I didn't think you could yeah. structure it that way. I think it would be completely impossible. Yeah. I mean, they do understand that Gandalf and the Balrog are cool enough that it opens the next movie. <laughs> so <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. That's <laughs> uh, one of the famous, most famous Lord of the Rings things. Man, the opening. Of two, I'm so fucking hyped for the like first hour of Two Towers. It's so good. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's good. Yeah. Well, the sooner we finish this podcast, the sooner we can watch. The two towers. So that really has no one can tell us where we can find you online. (laughs) Who? Who's going? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore Bing. I'm not watching this until like next weekend because I watch it the weekend before we record in two parts. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. You uh, you can find my podcast at neuralmapping.com. Jackson. Uh, You can find uh, me at headfallsoff at twitter.com and on co-host. Uh, not on Blue Sky, apparently, because fuck me. I mean, when they give me an invite, I'll go to. Blue, I, I will uh, sign up for Blue Sky and then not use it until Twitter dies. Yeah, yeah, same. same but uh, give me an invite, bro. I'll use it for a um, month and then be like, "Oh, this is so cool," and then I, I'll stop. No, what if it's no one's cool? like it's so cool. The selling point of Blue Sky isn't that it's cool; it's that it's shitty in all the ways Twitter is. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just. Oh, this is this is the dog shit I live in. Please rub it in my face, please. Thank you. Please the refill my people, trough. The, the literal thing that got people being, oh, maybe this one's a, this one's actually real, was when it, the everyone went there and then immediately started having the most insufferable discourse imaginable. People went, oh, maybe this one actually will take off. <laughs> stupid, we're all stupid online. Anyway, uh, that's where you can find me, uh, and you can find uh, the other podcast I do at Patreon.com/slash Uh 
to do. No matching Patreon for the Patreon shows. Uh, such as The Great Gundam Project for $1 a month. A classic show. We're watching Gundam Seed. That's not a classic show, but um, we're covering it. <laughs> That's true. That's correct. Autumn. $5. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at autumnal. You can go to exportodd.io for the Patreon page. Uh, $1 a month gets you this podcast early and a bunch of others. $5 a month gets you um, bonus episodes of Coffee and Comic Books. And um, soon... If you're like, damn, I wish I could hear half of the people on this show continue to talk about fantasy novels, um, there will be bonus episodes of Ars Arcanum um, that will be exclusive to the $5 tier. Uh, this week, question mark, we are recording our first one of those, and that'll be free, and then after that, um, those will start being you for the $5 patrons. Give any details on what? Yeah, we're reading The, the Book of Three. Um, which is the first book in Chronicles of Perdane. It is a... By Lloyd Alexander. <clears throat> the the like one-sentence version of this is like Welsh Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah, um, kind of. It was very small. I said one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> They're like kids' books, kind of. Yeah. Um, but like kids' books in like the 60s version of that where like um, people weren't writing down to children as much as, you know, I feel like people write down to young adult novels now. You can anyway. find me on Twitter at neither nor. Find me on co-host at Ashworm, Ash with an E, Worm with a Y. You can find me on other podcasts, including Journal Updated, which you can find at thesecondbestgame.club. Tomorrow morning, we record our episode on Metal Gear Solid, and then next month, we're going to play Half-Life. So we're just living through my own adolescence again, I suppose. <laughs> Once again, taking uh, games that we will now never have to cover, so that's nice. <laughs> that's okay. I uh, I like Half-Life enough for the both of you to not have to play it. I played Half Half-Life. It was okay. I played maybe like 20% of Half-Life once. I think I've played Half-Life 3 times. No, they never got to 3 actually. I used to I care. thought about it and was like I'm not going to do it. <laughs> You come into my podcast. You just, <laughs> you just uh, care about it's, my, it's my podcast too. I, I'm I'm a co-host. I'm not a guest. I'm a co-host. Half life mid. Fuck off. I I didn't say I didn't Fuck say that. Off. That's rude. That's so rude. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I played a bit. You know, it's not. It's no hater. hater. It's no hater. Fucking hater. You're a hater. You're no insane. Hater. You you have complained to me about Half Life. No, 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 no. You can't just like put this on me and then let me get roasted. You have complained about Half Life basically every time it ever gets brought up. Like, oh, stupid game. The PC nerds want like to I, tell me it's important. I wouldn't do it to Nora though. <laughs> That's true. I did it to Nora. <laughs> anyway, our sign off tonight. As a quote from Half-Life, in the words of the famous <laughs> Dr. Gordon Freeman.
Bye.